Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? No, Danny. No, it doesn't. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the vainly titled Danny Palmer Show. This is the second ever story time that I'm doing. We'll see. We'll see. I think people like the interviews better than just me talking. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's kind of fun to do multiple things, right? And uh, I've been writing down stories that I think are interesting that have happened to me or other people. And uh, I don't know. It's fun. I was trying to think like, you know, you look back on your life and you're like, okay, what was funny or interesting or insane? Like those experiences that you end up like telling at like four in the morning at a bar when normal society is going on. Like, how do we, like, how do you kind of capture those, you know? So anyway, one of my favorite stories is when I was in college, I went to Mercer University in Macon, Georgia. And uh, it was like in the mid 90s. Um, it was a small school, probably about 2000 students, private. Uh, at that time, was affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. Although everybody got drunk and fucked each other raw. So I don't really think that mattered. <laughs> but uh, I lived in this dorm uh, my freshman year called Shorter Hall. And there, there was this thing called like the freshman leadership experience where like a group of us got picked to come to school early. I think it's because we were poor. I can't really remember the criteria. But I think part of it was like, all right, these kids are poor. They may not be ready for, for the college experience. Let's let them come early and bond. And uh, it was really a nice thing, actually. Um, we came a few weeks early. And then by the time all the other students arrived to start their freshman year, we had already like been hanging out and bonding for two to three weeks. And it just made us feel like we were, you know, had been selected and gave us more confidence going into college. And uh, But uh, I really don't have anything bad to say about it. It was a good program. But the only problem was that it created this sense of unity for our floor that nobody else arriving in college that, you know, to start their college experience had. And we turned into fucking maniacs. <laughs> we were like a problem floor. Like there was a, a point at the, towards the end of our freshman year when I got in trouble for something that I'm about to tell you about. And the guy, I don't know what it was. The Dean of student affairs was like, I have a disciplinary file for your floor that is 10 times bigger the file of any other dorm building on the entire campus. Like, you guys are fucking maniacs. We would just do stupid shit, you know? Like, we would have, uh, we'd get wasted at parties, and then my frat had a beat the car, uh, like, night during rush night, or we, I don't know, this seems wildly illegal and, and dangerous. I don't know how we got away with this but we would just buy a beater car for like 500 bucks and then get sledgehammers and then just everybody just beat the shit out of a car. It was a lot of fun, but for some reason we didn't get rid of all the glass before we began beating the car. <laughs> and my friend Mike took the car door home to our floor and then there was just glass all over our floor. And then we would also take like fruit or maybe that was the next year. We would take fruit, throw it up against the door. Like there were some problems and it was, uh, you know, in Macon, Georgia, and this was like Memorial Day of my senior, sorry, my freshman year. We were on the quarter system, so we stayed there pretty late. Um, and dude, I was like literally maybe a week away from spring quarter ending, going back home to Tampa for the summer. Could I have just, you know, focused on finals and 
chilled the fuck out and then gone home and just been a normal kid. Nope. Had to do something insane. So there were these two kids, I guess I shouldn't say their names, but, um, there were these two kids down the hall from me and we had these shared bathrooms and we had these giant rolls of toilet paper. You know, it isn't like college dorms. Sometimes like huge rolls of toilet paper. It's just like not high quality. And we were just maniacs looking for fun things to do. So one thing we would do all year, I recommend this actually, (laughs) if you're a college student listening to this, get a giant roll of toilet paper and then just unspool like giant, like a giant, um, pile of toilet paper and then just put it on your friend while he's taking a nap or something or while she's taking a nap or something i'm always worried about saying both genders um but you know we would just make giant piles of toilet paper and then throw it on people what one time my friend uh mike went home for the weekend and we literally i'll never forget this i literally spent an entire weekend of my life just filling his entire dorm room with toilet paper i think it was up to like probably like eight feet high <laughs> And then when he came back, it was just a dorm room filled with toilet paper. Um, but that was the kind of fun that we like to have because we were idiots. So one day, it was actually on Memorial Day. I was in my dorm room. I was on the top bunk. I was studying. And uh, this kid from down the hall comes in. And he's like, yo, man, let's un- let's make a big pile of toilet paper. And I'm like, okay, sick, dude. I'm always down for that. You know, it's fun. So we made a big pile of toilet paper and then another friend came in and this guy had an ant roach spray can and some matches (laughs) and they were like, dude, let's fucking light the toilet paper. And this was a small dorm room. This was like a fucking small studio apartment like the one I live in now 20 years later. (laughs) But um, so we made this big giant ball of toilet paper and then decided to light it which is just completely idiotic i mean this building this dorm building probably had i think it had five floors it was co-ed i think it alternated between guys and girls so not that the building was full at the time because it was like a weekday afternoon but if if you know at its full capacity i bet that building housed 300 students i don't know maybe 200 to 300 students like a lot of young college students (laughs) So, so we decided that we're going to light it. I'm like, guys, I tried to present myself as the voice of reason in the court case afterwards, (laughs) but I tried to present myself as being like, Hey guys, I'm not saying don't light the toilet paper because I'm cool. I'm not trying to like, you know, cramp your fun of lighting a giant ball of toilet paper, but let's do do it in the hallway. So it's not directly in my room because if we light it in my room, that's going to be, you know, pretty clear where the crime occurred because it will be in my room (laughs) and my, my roommate, Steven, was across campus at the time. I had no idea any of this was going on. He was a pretty conservative guy from, like, Fayetteville, Georgia or something. We got along. We weren't, like, best friends. But um, this this is probably the nail in the coffin for our friendship. <laughs> so they go, no, no, no. Let's just do it here. Let's just do it here. So the kid, the one kid lights a match. I'll never forget this. I looked at on the match. And then it just went out. I was like, ah, didn't work. Then he lit one again, threw the match into the toilet paper and it didn't take. So then we're like, oh fuck, dude. What are we gonna do now? <laughs> I can't imagine how to solve this problem. Maybe light one more match. So then we took the they, I was innocent, they took the ant roach spray can, lit a match, held 
the match in front of the Ant Road spray can, and then that created the you know like a flamethrower effect, and then that hit the toilet paper, and then guess what, guys, that worked. <laughs> and I don't know if you're aware of what happens if you light. I'm trying to think of like per, uh, portray the size of this ball of toilet paper. It was probably, I'd say, probably two feet off the ground maybe two to three feet wide, something like that, like a substantial amount of toilet paper. We didn't pay for it. You know, what the fuck do we care? So he lights. So the the ball of toilet paper goes up into a giant flame, a giant fireball instantly. I thought it would be like a like when you light a campfire, it just starts to crackle around the edges and hopefully the kindling will take. Now, if your fire fuel is comprised solely of toilet paper, it all goes up at once. <laughs> so, then, so I'm in the top bunk. These two maniacs light this ball of toilet paper. And then it turns into a giant ball of fire immediately. And I just remember being in my top bunk, looking at the top of the ball of toilet paper and thinking, there's no smoke. There's no smoke. There's no smoke above the ball of fire. <laughs> If there's no smoke, the fire alarm's not going to go off. We can just put it out and then go about our day. Incorrect. The fire alarm went off almost immediately, despite the lack of smoke, as I thought. So I jumped down out of bed, and we were on the second floor. So I ran to the window, thinking, I have to jump out of the window or I'm going to die. Also, maybe I should have considered the potentially up to 200 other students between 18 and 22 in the building that also could have died. But at that moment, I was just like, Oh God, what do I do? So one of the guys runs down to the other end of the hallway. There were two, the floor had two sides. Each side had one fire extinguisher. The two dudes that lit the fire lived on the other side of the hall. So they literally ran down. One of them ran down to the other side of the hall to get that fire extinguisher, which I always thought was kind of a funny detail of the story that he couldn't get the nearest fire extinguisher. He just went to the, to his side where he knew there was a fire extinguisher in his moment of panic returns to the room. I'll never forget this. He looks at me through the ball of fire. He's holding the fire extinguisher like a baby. And he goes, how do you use it? And I was like, I don't know. And then he just eventually figured out how to pull the pin or whatever and then put the fire out. So now we've got a major problem on our hands we file out of the dorm now we're standing in front of the dorm everybody else is filing out too they don't know what's happened nobody's looking at us like oh these maniacs lit a fire they're just thinking that we're also you know evacuating the building for whatever reason oh the other part about the story that i forgot is that we also we had we didn't have air conditioning so every every dorm room had a fan we had uh taken toilet paper and streamed it from the fan so now, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take a fucking crack detective, a crack fire detective, if that fucking exists, to figure out the source of the crime, where this had occurred, because now there's smoke billowing out of my dorm room with toilet paper streamers blowing out. So it was a pretty open and shut case as to where the problem <laughs> emerged from or started. So now we're out at front and we're like, fuck, this is really bad. We got to figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to defend ourselves. So we had this idea. So then the Mercer police came, Murpo, we called them. So they came, 
and uh, I don't know, I can't remember the exact details. Like they figured out who whose room it was pretty quick. So they, they took me and one of the other guys, and they took us down to the station, <laughs> which is just a you know small police facility, like near the medical school. I think at the time, the dean of student affairs, Barry Jenkins, can easily confirm this story for me. You know, if this was like a newspaper story to be corroborated by witnesses, I have many witnesses that can corroborate this shit. So now me and my friend are sitting in the back of the Murpo police station. This cop comes back there. He says, all right, you boys better get your story together or something like that. And then he sets down on the table, this giant book. And it just says like Georgia statutes or Georgia law statutes or something like that. It's like all the laws of the state of Georgia, like is a scare tactic or, or, or to us, I guess, or maybe not a scare tactic just to be like, Hey, here's the, here are the laws. <laughs> We're going to apply what crime you've committed. And then he came back and he told us that what we had done, if it was prosecuted in a Georgia courtroom versus the kangaroo court within the campus, within the college, that we could have gone to prison for 22 years. <laughs> All right. Maybe I shouldn't be laughing about that. Um, but nobody got hurt. So anyways, so the, the cop leaves and now it's me and my friend and we're just trying to talk about what do we say? So we had this whole like story concocted, which is insane. The fact that these two three dumb college kids, dumb college freshmen thought they could outsmart police about, a ridiculous fire at like two in the afternoon in a small dorm room. So we said that, yeah, well, we, well, sure. You know how college kids are. They naturally will unspool giant balls of toilet paper. That, that's, that's perfectly normal and natural officer. The problem was we were smoking in the room. Okay, sure. We should have been smoking in the room, but whatever. So we unspooled a giant ball of toilet paper. We were separately smoking a cigarette. <laughs> we set the cigarette down to wrestle Someone accidentally kicked the cigarette into the toilet paper. Okay, our bad there. Point taken. And then that is what ignited the fire, but it was inadvertent and accidental. We tell the cop that story. He just looks at us and he goes, I've been investigating fires for X number of years in my career. If there's one thing we know about fires is that cigarette butts don't burn in fires, which I didn't know. I don't even know if that's true, but I guess so. Maybe if it's not too intense of a flame or something. But generally speaking, cigarette butts don't burn in fires. He goes, there were no cigarette butts in your room. You guys are lying. It's time to start telling the truth. And we were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, boy. Uh, so then a little later that day, I was walking to the student center. And I ran across my roommate. And I mean, the room wasn't like completely destroyed, but it was definitely filled with smoke. And like my little plastic trash can was singed. <laughs> I think maybe half of it had been burned or whatever. Um, so he, I see him walking and I go, Hey, St Hey, uh, Steven, he goes, Hey man, what's up? I go, I just want to let you know before you get back to our room, there was a fire and it's pretty smoky in there. I'm really sorry. And he goes, Oh, no worries, man. That's cool. And he just walked away. And then I looked at my friend and I was like, man, he took that pretty well. Yeah. He thought we were kidding. <laughs> nope. Not kidding. <laughs> so then he went back to the room, saw what had happened. He was furious. He like submitted this claim to like get his clothes dry cleaned which he had every right to do <laughs> anyways we went to like the kangaroo court of mercer and uh they there were punishments that were meted out but basically i personally <laughs> got away with it i mean i didn't 
get away with it because they kicked me out of my dorm room. I was declared not guilty because I actually didn't light the fire. I didn't, me personally, I, didn't, I mean, I was there. I wasn't like an innocent bystander, but you know what? I don't want to get into this. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't release this episode. <laughs> what is the statute of limitations on dorm room fires that you didn't start? Um, but yeah, so then they kicked me out of my dorm and made me go live in another dorm on the top floor with a smoker because you could smoke in this one building or something. So then I went to residence life and I was like, um, hey, I was declared not guilty by the kangaroo court of uh, Mercer University. And they were like, just because you were not guilty according to the court standards, you still violated residence life policy. Thus, you've been kicked out of your doorbell. I was like, all right, whatever, dude. Um, but anyway, so then I had this reputation from that time forward at college of being this fire starter. People call me Torch. I was kind of a legend. You know what I mean? And by legend, I mean complete fucking idiot. <laughs> um, all right, that completes the fire story. So, you know, hey, you live and learn, man. Maybe you shouldn't light giant fucking fires when you're in college. Um, thankfully, no, it was hard. Uh, all right, I feel a little guilty about telling that story, even to this day. But, uh, you know, it's sort of my quote-unquote legend, question mark. <laughs> hey, man, we were 18 years old, college kids, just being stupid. And I would never do that again today, unless someone has a giant ball of toilet paper, then I'll be glad to light it. I guess that's the end of story time. <laughs> But I was, I was trying to think, like, should I just tell, like, a story in these things and then just be like, have a great day? I have this long list of quotes that I think I've talked about, so I thought maybe I'd close this story time out with a quote. So Finesse Mitchell is a uh, comic. He used to be – actually, I'm sorry. I don't know if he's a comic. But he was a Saturday Night Live cast member. And I read this interview with him a long time ago. and It's like my number two quote that I always look at in my little list here. It says – if you out there getting your hustle on, follow your dreams. Don't waver. Just keep going because you never know where it's going to lead you. You never know. And I love that. You never know. You can't predict with certainty where the path might lead. And you might, you might, that's the other thing I like about, uh, now I'm having this paranoid moment in my head where I feel like I've already talked about this, but I don't think I have. Did I already talk about this? Fuck. Danny. Jesus Christ, bro. But I think that just the main, if I did, I'm sorry, but I mean, who's fucking listening to this anyways? Anyways, I just love the idea about you never know where it's going to lead you because he's not saying like do X and Y and then you'll get Z result you desire. He's like do X and Y, keep pushing, keep grinding, keep going, and then you might get to a place at some point in the future that you didn't even know was a place you want to get to that could theoretically be better than what you had envisioned or what you had hoped for. Um, so I think that's that's important to think about, especially during these like covid times and everything's so uncertain and um you know it's obviously a difficult period in all of our lives but if we keep pushing keep grinding keep hustling then we could end up getting to a place where there are positive things that result from it that we don't even know about or couldn't even envision yet so um which leads to maybe probably the next story time that I'm going to do is COVID silver, sorry, COVID silver linings. I just feel like, I mean, obviously there's massive death and tragedy, um, but there are some things that have resulted from this that are positive, maybe on a very small, you know, insignificant scale. But I think it's these glimmers of hope and the ashes that, that we can hopefully start to piece together. Um, to find hope and inspiration. I think there's a lot of those small things. I mean, it seems like a dangerous 
uh, area to, to tread on to be like, oh, you can't talk about the positive when there's so much bad and so much death. But I also think it's important to think about the positive and what we can learn and grow from this, um, what we can learn from this and how we can grow. So I'll probably do that for a story time sometime soon. I don't fucking know, dude. All right. Well, anyways, uh, I think this is coming out on Friday. I appreciate you guys continuing to listen to the fucking pod, John. And um, I feel good about it because I know it's it was a, kind of a crazy transition to go from all space, what the fuck, dude, to just now it's just the Danny Palmer show and it's like several random things. Um, not random, but, but it's just a different thing now. And, uh, you know, there were probably the second highest number of listeners ever this past week during the rollout. So I really appreciate you guys sticking around and uh, staying with it. Um, and hopefully it'll continue to grow and uh, we'll do some space episodes in the future too. So I hope you guys have a fucking solid fucking weekend kid. Stay safe and all that. John, you know, Mountain Dew has a new margarita now or no. Um, yeah, it's a Dew Mountain Dew margarita. I think it's available at Red Lobster. So maybe you should spend your weekend getting completely shit housed on Mountain Dew margaritas at a Red Lobster not margarita, martini. I don't fucking know. Who fucking cares? Just take Mountain Dew, pour it in a glass, pour some vodka in there, pour some gin in there, get fucking hammered, go into the Red Lobster bathroom, unspool a giant roll of toilet paper, find an Ant Road spray can, light it on fire, run out, and go to prison for 22 years. <laughs> okay, so I legit had ended the episode and like uploaded it to, be, to go out on uh, Friday. <clears throat> and then... I was texting with my college buddies and they like filled me in on like other really insane shit that had happened on that floor. And I felt like I had to do an addendum. So apparently, uh, I did remember this after, um, the fire, the great fire on Memorial day of my freshman year. I don't want to say what year. Fuck you, man. Uh, after that, they put an armed guard <laughs> on our floor, you know, it's just like a 2000 liberal arts Baptist school and, making Georgia armed guard on our floor. We're like, why the fuck? We asked the guard. We're like, why are you here? They're like, you guys are a problem. <laughs> you now have an armed guard. <laughs> but anyways, it kind of makes sense because, and by kind of, I mean it 100% makes sense because of all the other shit that we had done leading up to that point over the year. Like the fire in my dorm room was the straw that broke the resident life's leadership's back. So apparently we did this. One of my friends, I can say his name, uh, Mike, he, uh, glued like hot, hot glue gun or whatever, 500 glass beer bottles to this wall. Um, we built a water slide down the hall inside the dorm room, um, you know, inside the dormitory in the hallway, the interior hallway, uh, by taping plastic up the side of the walls and, uh, tearing off the water fountain to use its water. I mean, obviously if you're gonna make an indoor slide in the dormitory, you would need to tear off the water fountain from the wall. <laughs> um, we jousted in shopping carts. We flooded the resident. Why well, didn't okay? I didn't do all this shit. This was like my friend Mike. He's a fucking maniac. Some of the other guys were much more maniacal, maniacal than me. I mean, I'm no like innocent Snow White in this, but I I, I wasn't. Whatever. All right, I did, I did some bad things. <laughs> so they flooded the resident director's room, which was across the hall from the men's bathroom. To do that, they, I don't. I really don't think I was there for this. They clogged all of the sinks and turned the water on, and then left the building. Uh, one guy who was involved in the fire got drunk and went in with a baseball bat to the common area TV, smashed that. 
Um, we also, my friend took 500 black cats, which I think a strip of 500 black cats. I think that's a, like those, uh, firecrackers you step on. I meant to look it up, but whatever. Uh, he slid those under the Ari's door when he was sleeping. Um, he jumped on a paper bag of flour that he slid where he kind of slid the opening under the crack of the door. You know, you can do that. It's a good prank. So it looked like it snowed in his room. <laughs> they took a trash can of water, leaned it against his door. When he opened it, a tidal wave ensued. This is his, his words are his words. Um, this one. Now I think the rest of these are like, you know, I could see other kind of fun college pranks, even though the water damage, I'm sure could be substantial and costly <laughs> to the university. But this one, this seems to be a, a pretty serious crime. They, um, they cut the resident director's phone line and then pennied him into his room. I guess he just stick pennies in the door so he can't open the door. And so he didn't make it to one of his finals. I mean, the fact that this resident director didn't get several people expelled at that point is insane. I don't know what that guy was. I mean, is he kind? Is he just a pushover? Apparently he's letting people walk all over him. I mean, if I didn't make a final cause my dumbass fucking freshman residents pennied me in to my dorm room, there would be hell to pay. And by hell to pay, I would mean, I mean that I would just meekly tell on people. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, there you have it, kids. Oh, and then he wrapped it up by saying, um, I can't understand for the life of me why the fire in your room finally set them off. So there you go. That's uh, fun. And I mean, th you know, this was in like the mid-90s, dude. If you did this kind of shit in a college today, I don't think you might have gotten away with like one or two of those pranks. I don't think you would get away with the consistent level of mayhem and let's face it, criminality that ensued over the course of that school year. So let that be a lesson to you students in college who can't even go to school and are sitting in your room on zoom. Um, at least you're not flooding innocent people's rooms with water and flour and cocaine and pennies and God knows what. <sighs> All right. I hope you guys, uh, Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, I thought, Oh, Oh, if you have like ideas about the pod or like people you want me to interview or whatever, I mean, who knows what I can get, but you know, you never know. Um, send me an email. Uh, it's Danny Palmer comedy at gmail.com. D-A-N-N-Y-P-A-L-M-E-R comedy at gmail.com. My handles are Danny Palmer and my C, blah, 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 fucking blah. And uh, thank you for listening to Story Fucking John, kid. Uh, we'll get some, uh, well, next week's guest is going to be fun. And uh, thank you so much for listening and making this podcast transition. Oh. Oh. Okay, now, if you're like doing something important, I would just hit stop. But now at this point, I'm just going to make weird sounds for about three to four hours. Oh. Oh. My neighbor is seriously just going to call her parents and then call the police. All right. Thank you for listening. Chad.